You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about the fact that for the first time in history, uh, Michigan voters will have a third choice of the Libertarian Party on the ballot, the August 7th primary ballot for governor. That's true because uh, in 2016, uh, Gary Johnson, who was a presidential candidate uh, under the Libertarian Party got enough votes to grant the Libertarian Party ballot access, and there are two candidates who want to uh, compete for that role. Uh, we heard from Bill Jelano in the beginning of the show. Now I'm welcoming the second candidate on the ballot on August 7th. John Tater is a Libertarian candidate for governor here in Michigan. He was a major in the Air Force, worked as an engineer in fiber optics and lasers, and is a retired Teacher, John, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much, Stevens, for having me here. Uh, I do have to make a correction, though. Oh, go ahead. You've got my son's information. Oh. (laughs) He's a major in the Air Force. Okay. Okay. Well, then you need to correct me then and tell me a little bit about your background. (laughs) I'm a lieutenant colonel in the retired in the Army Reserve. Okay. Okay. uh, Veteran of Desert Storm. And my positions more were in command and... Uh, executive officer, as well as staff and instructor. So I had a various areas of degrees of duties in the military. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell me what what uh, is saying to you right now that you want to be the governor of the state of Michigan. What's What's got you in that frame of mind? I'm really tired of the uh, Republican and Democrat Uh, left and right paradigm that hasn't done anything for the state of Michigan as well as the people of Michigan. They seem to, this is the monster that we're growing in Lansing. Every time they take money from us, they add up new building in Lansing. They uh, uh, get bigger staff. They get more people working for them, but they're not taking care of the functions that they're required to do. One of the functions they're required to do is maintain the structure of Michigan, that is the infrastructure and the roads. And they've been promising this since I remember back in the 80s, mm-hmm. and they haven't mm-hmm. done anything since then on any of those two issues. And there are other issues, but those are two of the main glaring issues right now that everybody seems to be concerned about. Yeah. Uh, I asked Bill Jelano the same question. Uh, talk about the priorities, the other priorities that would be on your list uh, if you were elected governor, the roads, I think, are a no-brainer for anybody no. who lives here. Uh, but there's lots of other stuff uh, going on, I would imagine. Well, the one big issue that I have is a smaller state government. We have grown to a monstrous size in Lansing. Uh, we need to bring us be- them back to a position where they can handle the jobs that they need to do without having such a mammoth size of people and having to feed the monster constantly. So, number one, I would like to see the Senate go away. There is no real function for the Senate constitutionally. It's in, they're, they're in the Constitution as mm-hmm. being a body there, but they don't have a job other than representing the people. The representation of the people should be coming from the House of Representatives, People say, hey, you know, they balance the House of Representatives off. I thought that's what the people were supposed to do. If the representative doesn't do what he's doing, the people should remove him from office. But you don't see a role for uh, people, a legislative body where the members represent larger geographic 
jurisdictions than they do in the House, which is one function of the Senate. But but the other is the longer terms that they serve, so that they are not as uh, you know, I, I guess, as reactive to, uh, to to political whim. They don't have to run every two years. So you don't see those as, as virtues? Uh, once upon a time, they said we were going to get uh, part-time legislatures, or not part-time, but uh, uh, legislatures that weren't lifetime members. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, they had term limits. So they played this little game on us. They said, okay, you could run for the House of Representatives, get three terms in there, and then after that, run for the House of Senate. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they become a lifetime politician anyway. So we haven't Well, really but they're only started. there for 14 years. I mean, and and there are so many, I mean, if you go up to Lansing and talk to legislators, I mean, the number of people who've been there almost no time at all who are now in charge of things. I mean, you, you uh, uh, in the House, after your first two years, you, uh, you run for speaker. Uh, in the Senate, uh, that you've got someone who's been there four years who becomes majority uh, leader. There, there, there's no lifetime politicians in in Lansing. There are a lot of lifetime politicians. Well, um, how can that be if they can only well, stay fourteen years? Then they can they can run for other offices. Uh, they can run for attorney general. They can run for judge. They can run for uh, department chairmans of other positions, and that's not running for but get appointed to those positions Mm -hmm. so they end up staying in Lansing forever and they're lifetime politicians as far as I'm concerned when it used to be in the past long time ago where you went into office for two to four years you did your job and you got out you went back to your particular product or job whatever you were doing in civilian life when you end up going to Lansing especially some of them right out of law school or right out of uh, college. They end up in Lansing and they stay there. They haven't been in the real world and working in the real world like the, the regular people. And, mm-hmm. and they, don't, they lose sight of what's going on, what's, what's reality. And, but they're elected by the people. And couldn't the people choose to elect somebody else, throw them out? Well, here's the problem with the election process when you have tons of money, number one, uh, and you are being compromised by corporations because you're they're sending you money for re, for elections. They're sending you money for whatever or sending you on junkets. And then you turn around and, and they have a name already because they've been there. They've been in the spotlight. So now you're going, a new candidate going in there mm-hmm. has to run against the name as well as a pile of money. That's a very difficult job. Uh, let's talk about a little bit, uh, this moment for libertarians here in the state, as I said, uh, and talked earlier about, this is the first time you guys have a a primary. Um, what do you see, what do you see that as signifying? Is this, is this the, the sort of coming out, the official coming out of the libertarian party and you feel like they'll be able to maintain uh, a presence at the gubernatorial level and, and other statewide races going forward? It's been a very interesting situation, uh, and I had to go out and collect 15,000 signatures mm-hmm. in order to get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I actually was out there shaking hands with people, and a lot of people said, hey, we're fed up with the Democrats and Republicans. Some of them even came up to me and said, I'm not even in the system anymore. I don't <laughs> vote. I'm tired of it. Yeah, we hear that a lot, anything. right? That's right. I, but they signed for me, and they said, hey, I'm going to support you. So the uh, whole theory here is that people have had it. People want something different. Mm -hmm. And in order to do something different 
or get something different. You got to do something different. And I think the Libertarian Party is that difference. Hmm. Now, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is John Tater. He's a libertarian candidate for governor here in the state of Michigan. Uh, libertarians will have a primary on August 7th, just like Democrats and Republicans. That is the first time in Michigan's history that that will be true, that the Libertarian Party will hold a primary to decide who will be on the ballot from that party uh, for governor in the fall. Uh, we're talking about uh, that moment in Michigan history and libertarian history, but we're also talking about the idea of third parties. Is it time for a third party to be a consistent presence in Michigan politics? Is that time being marked right now by the emergence of the Libertarian Party uh, in primary politics for the first time. Uh, also tell us, what would it take for you to vote for a third party candidate? Not just in the primary where you do have to choose which party uh, you vote for, uh, but also in the fall when you're choosing the person who will be the governor. Uh, what would it take for you to vote for a libertarian or somebody from another party? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. You can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Um, I just think it's interesting when you hear libertarians uh, talk about term limits, and, you know, I think elections are for term limits. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, here we have a candidate who's um, basically a career military person, and I thank you for your service, but um, aren't you kind of like, you know, living off the government, being there so many years? Mm. Yeah, well, uh, that's a great question. Uh, John, what do, you, what do you use to distinguish between drawing a check from the military or drawing a check from being a legislator? Is it, aren't they both forms of service? First of all, I was uh, number five on the uh, lottery system uh, back when I was getting out of college. This is for the draft, you mean? Yes, yeah. and I probably wouldn't have went into, into the military had I not been number five. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was number five and then had to get into some sort of process. So I did go into the reserve system at that point. While I went into the reserve system, I was an enlisted man. I went for three years enlisted and went through the process and through basic training and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Then I became commissioned because they said, hey, you've got a background we need, which is education, which is being able to be on the platform and speak. So that's where I started my military career. Uh, and I stayed in because, you know, it was 48 drills a year it wasn't a lifetime mm -hmm. for me it was just part-time uh, during that time I did teach school and again you're going to probably say the same question you know living off the government for so many years but somebody had to do that particular job and teaching is a little different and so is military a little different than being a uh, legislator that makes laws and then has to go back into the real world and live on the laws that they made in the case of a teacher or a um, uh, military officer, you have to you, you learn skills over the years mm -hmm. as to how to do the job better. Uh, and I taught kids how to build houses. I was in the home <laughs> construction program in the in Livonia, and we built 15 homes in the city of Livonia. That's true that the school system did pay me, and I got a retirement from them, but. Mm -hmm. 
I was working in the construction field with kids, and a lot of those kids today are thankful because they are now in the trades doing those particular fields. Sure. But, but <clears throat> again, back to this question of what's the distinction between that kind of service, which is really important and noteworthy, and service as a legislator? Well, service as a legislator, unfortunately, they decide their own wages, their own retirement, um, and uh, in many cases, because they are in a position to make com- uh, make uh, major decisions that have to do with the state of Michigan, they can also be uh, compromised by uh, lobbyists and by corporations to do their bidding, and which has been going on all this time. And that's the reason you feel that they need some sort of limitation on the amount of time that's that correct. they can be there. Now, I want to I want to point out uh, just recently they bought a Senate office building. They paid $41 million mm-hmm. for a Senate office building that was in, appraised by the Lansing appraiser for $12 million. Somebody pocketed $29 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert, again, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Uh, let's go to Dan in Washington, Michigan. Dan, walk, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'd like to thank WDET and Mr. Henderson for having the Libertarians on there. I am a Ron Paul uh, Libertarian, uh-huh. and um, I love your shows. Oh, thank you. Um, my question to John is um, income tax. As Libertarians, we are against that, and we have several forms of income tax in Michigan. And I was wondering, as Ron Paul and Forbes all endorse a elimination of taxes and going to a um, state um, um Taxation on um, purchasing. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, what is your sales view on tax, that? Right. Yeah. Uh, great <clears> question, Dan. <throat> Go ahead, uh, John. My view is that we have to eliminate the income tax. The problem that we have is we are being taxed to death in the state of Michigan. And as the economy fails, the taxes don't follow that process. And how do you, so how do you assess that? That we, you say we're being taxed to death. I mean, most studies talk about us paying. Fewer taxes, less overall tax burden in the state of Michigan than we have in the last 30 or 40 years. So, so how do you come to the conclusion that we're being taxed to death? We are, we, what we need to do is put more money in the pockets of the citizens that are in the state of Michigan because when we do so, they're obviously going to spend that money. By spending that money, they're going to boom the economy. We know that government can't improve or make jobs. It's the people that make the jobs. Mm-hmm. It's the individual citizens. Uh, and if there's a need for a product or something, an individual citizen comes up with that need and people can afford to buy that product and therefore the economy becomes better. Yeah. When the government takes that money away from you and puts it in their pocket to do whatever they're going to do, mm-hmm. buy 130 or build a hundred and $35 million building, which they, they've just done, or spend the $29 million in somebody else's pocket, then the city or the, the people themselves don't have the money in which to go sure. out and do the but, but, production. But here's one measure of taxation in the state. We are $10 billion right now under the state spending cap that is set by the Headley Amendment. It's one of the limitations on taxes here in the state of Michigan. So Again, this idea that we're overtaxed. I mean, I, I just, I, I would love to have a quantifiable way 
uh, to understand what, what you're saying here. My point is that as long as Lansing has money, they're going to continue to grow in size. Mm-hmm. We as a uh, state need to understand that we live in a republic where the people are in charge. We need to be following the Constitution, which is the law of the land. And in my experiences over the years, uh, both in the judicial system is wherever I end up uh, going, they're not following those parameters. They're not following the Constitution. They're not doing what they're required to do. And we don't have a republic right now because they're trying to push a democracy on Mm -hmm. us. Uh, Again, thanks very much for that call. Let's go to Anthony in Belleville. Anthony, welcome to Detroit today. You there, Anthony? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My question is, ideologically, you line up with Republicans when it comes to um, supporting businesses over Okay, Anthony, we're having a hard time hearing you, but uh, I, I, got, I caught enough of it to, I think, repeat the question, the idea that libertarians line up too closely with Republicans. Do you feel, uh, John Tater, like that's true? No, I don't. What, I would say what are that the differences? Are, I would say that there's more uh, Republicans that are tending to lean, lean more libertarian. Libertarian means smaller constitutional government and more liberty for the people. And the Republicans, although they tout that over the years, are not following that philosophy. Hmm. In most cases, the Republicans are coming up with rules and regulations to try to control how people behave, live, and act. And uh, that's not what the libertarians are all about. Uh, if you want to be uh, want to go into a specific situation, you should not be in a situation where you are being tried for any kind of civil infraction unless you've hurt somebody or damaged somebody's property. Outside of that, the civil infraction action that the court systems have set up have brought people in just for extracting money from them, for speeding, for... So you would uh, eliminate all of those kinds of uh, uh, ticketing and... and The civil action infraction is really a usurpation of the uh, um, original intent of the Republic and the Constitution, yes. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, uh, talk about what you expect to see on August 7th in terms of the number of people who you think may vote in that Republican or uh, the Libertarian primary. Well, if, if anything that happens while, while I was out on collecting signatures mm-hmm. uh, means anything, then I think there's going to be a, a larger surge for Libertarians this year than there have ever been because mm-hmm. people have really fed up and they need to show the Democrats and Republicans that they've had enough. Okay. John Tater, Libertarian candidate for governor here in the state of Michigan. I want to thank you very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Remember that on July 30th, that is next Monday, uh, we will be holding yet another community conversation in our Detroit Today Summer Book Club. We will be in Warren at the Dorothy Bush Branch of the Warren Library on Monday, July 30th, talking about the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond and housing insecurity issues all over southeast Michigan, in particular in Warren. We want to talk about the fact that Warren nationwide ranks in the top 10 for court ordered 
eviction, something that I didn't know until recently. I'm not sure that a lot of people know about that. We're going to have folks there uh, next Monday on July 30th to be able to talk about that issue, to talk about court-ordered evictions and uh, other housing insecurity issues. So if you want to join us there, you can do that. You can also go to wdet.org slash events to find out more about our Detroit Today Summer Book Club and how you can participate. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And our associate producers are Gus Navarro and Evan Yee. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.